Hello, welcome to the ADHD Book Club Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ashley, and I sound crazy. And I'm your other host, Corey, and I sound like this, whatever this is. (laughs) We're back for more Alien Abduction August. Yes, more alien shit. So, real talk. Are aliens boring? Um, maybe they're a little predictable. Which, that sort of cuts both ways, right? If they're always doing the same shit, then maybe they're real? Totally, right? Or everyone's just copying everyone else's homework? What if it's just one of those weird freaky sleep paralysis dreams that everyone has at the same time that's like the same thing? Like Hat Guy or Plaid Man? Look, Hat Man is real too. The Benadryl Hat Man is real. Uh, (laughs) Sleep paralysis demons are real. All this stuff is real. And aliens. And aliens. Semi-spoiler, this book is so similar to the other one. It's wild. Um, it, was a different, it was a different delivery, I'll say. That's true. I would maybe even say a more boring delivery. You know, at first, I thought communion was more interesting, and I said that. And now I think I'm actually maybe team Andreasen affair by the end of that. I am too. It's shorter and it's more interesting. More interesting stuff happens. The real treat of communion is Whitley Strieber performing the book. And when I say performing, (laughs) he is performing. Yeah. He's recounting his memories of being (laughs) hypnotized. Like he's like literally acting out what happened like at the hypnotherapist's office i swear he might have been crying again in the book yeah one of my first notes is oh shit he reads this himself (laughs) yeah also i had a follow-up about that video that i talked about last time the youtube video of joe simonton oh oh, shit i forgot to watch that it's fine i mean it's just this like black and white video of an old man talking about how he ate some pancakes that an alien made (laughs) and to clarify i rewatched the video and he was like an alien in the woods made him pancakes. Oh, that's so nice of that alien in the woods. That's pretty good. I didn't know aliens could cook. I thought they just liked their food burned. <laughs> they like It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for knowledge <laughs> or some fucking thing. I don't know. Well, so we read Communion, obviously, by Whitley Strieber. We did. We were pronouncing it incorrectly before. We only know this now because he says it himself in the book. I guess that's how we'll ever know anyone's real names is when they are reading their own book. Communion was published in 1987. It's 320 pages long, which makes it 12 hours and 14 minutes for no good reason. Oh, you know why? Because he speaks so fucking slow. This is the first time that I've ever sped up a book. And I thought 1.2 was going to be fine. And I had to up it to one and a half. Yes. And then I got used to it and I was like, should I just go for two? This is crazy. He speaks like he has been abducted by aliens before. Oh, and he has the craziest accent I've ever heard. I'm trying to think of what his voice sounds like. Maybe you can't hear it at two times, but he'd be like, we are not alone. (laughs) I would rather take the train. It didn't read as a coherent accent to me. I think I was just like, he pronounces some words weird. It's just like an interesting dude. Now I'm trying to remember when the version of the book I listened to was published because it has an introduction that's pretty long that's clearly... By a doctor. He talks about his doctor's notes, but I think it's his own introduction. Okay. But he talks about a bunch of tests he had and like an MRI that he had. To also show that he's a normal man. Yeah, except that he's not. His brain is different now, (laughs) Um, which 
my dad is a neuroradiologist. And I was like, uh, if your brain looked like this, what would that mean? And he was just like, I don't know. I don't, it's hard to know what he's talking about from just hearing this description. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Anticlimactic. I was hoping for a, whoa, that would mean that aliens poked your brain. <laughs> I don't even remember this. There's this thing that he describes in the book where like time goes missing. Like, you know, it was like 6 p.m. He put food in the microwave and then he like was standing there and he opened the microwave and now it's midnight or something. And that's how I feel with this book. Right. <laughs> like suddenly time was missing. And I was like, wait, I missed a lot of things. <laughs> the bowl of cereal that he makes in the morning and then totally doesn't eat all day, but doesn't remember not eating it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because to him, no time has passed. And that's what it was like. Like, maybe I've been being abducted by aliens while driving my car and trying to listen to this. I don't really know. No, it's just really boring. It's slow. It's so slow. That was the interesting thing to me about the movie. Spoiler alert, we also <laughs> watched the movie with Christopher Walken. But the movie to me is more interesting than the book. It kind of sort of at least attempts to be a narrative and more things happen. It's more drama. And also, because you're watching him go through it in real time, like in the present, he has kind of stronger reactions to everything that's happening, I feel like. Whereas in the book, it feels like he's writing about stuff that he has sort of already processed by going through this whole hypnosis process. And so it, there's not as much drama to it, at least the way... I heard it. Yeah, there's not actual drama, but like when he's reading back his feelings while he was under hypnosis, he's he's literally like, "No, no, I can't, no, my son, come back." Oh. <laughs> uh, I yeah. He went all in. I was dying. I like thought I was going to get that the whole time. But in the movie, they make it seem like they're going to like get a divorce or something. And I don't think they're ever going to separate in the book. But anyways, I guess we just totally dived right in. We did. Should we do the thing? Let's just do the things. It's like official now. You can go read it or actually don't. Just listen. Yeah, just listen or watch the movie. Look, Christopher Walken dances around with aliens in the movie. That doesn't happen in the book. Kind of naked. Yeah, they're all naked. It's like a different version in the book. You know what? If you keep listening after the spoiler, I'll tell you what happens in the book. <laughs> okay. Spoilered on three. <laughs> yes. One, One two, two, three. three. Spoilers. Spoilered. All right. Well, in the book, Whitley has like sexual feelings or something towards the alien. It's like female of sorts and he's into her. But in the movie, it was not very feminine ever. And there was no sexy like feelings. Yeah, that's true. And he specifically like smelled the alien. He was freaking out and the alien was like, what can I do? And he was like, let me smell you. In the book? <laughs> and so he does. And then he feels better. Yeah, for sure. Because I was like, this motherfucker is sniffing an alien. What is happening? Oh, my God. And this guy wrote a whole book about having feelings for an alien while he's married. But then I guess his wife also got abducted by aliens. Like it's just it runs in the family. So it's always been going on for a long time and stays with you. Did she get abducted? Because my impression was that his son did, but she didn't. Maybe she didn't, but she like knew what was happening, but knew she wasn't supposed to like tell anyone or, right. or something. She knew what was going on and she was like fine with them. But the weird twist on this one is that she's been given the job from the aliens to sort of help ground him after they abduct him. Mm to kind of bring him back to regular reality and help him not freak out. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. 
I was like looking at the Wikipedia. Bud Hopkins is the one who hypnotized him. Bud Hopkins is not the doctor who hypnotized him, but he did sit in on some of the sessions and ask some of the questions. But he's not the doctor doing the hypnotizing or the main line of questioning. Okay, because that's how the Wikipedia makes it sound. And I was like, whoa, our last episode, that reviewer said Bud Hopkins, intruders. I know. Also, my notes autocorrected that to Bud Napkins. (laughs) Bud Napkins. So this is another, yeah, an alien abduction story of someone who didn't realize they had been being abducted by aliens all this time. It does hop around a lot. He does find a support group for people who've been abducted by aliens, and that was interesting. Also, fun fact, he references the Andreasen affair a lot at the end. The Andreasen affair was really informative and helpful for him, and something he then became kind of like maybe obsessed with a little bit. Was that him talking about it? My understanding was that that was other people in the support group talking about the Andreas and Affair book. I think they like clued him into it. And then he was like, oh, this is fascinating. It's such a similar experience. But the difference is that she didn't understand all the symbolism that he understood or something like she doesn't know that the phoenix means this. And he like went through all of it. So I thought it was good that we read the Andreas and Affair first. That's probably true. By the very end, I was totally glazing over. (laughs) My last two notes are the experiencer group where they mentioned Betty Andreessen and the book, and then triangles glazing over. Oh, yeah. Everything is a triangle. I forgot about that. Man, it ends real weird. Yeah. This is giving like stolen focus where it's actually all about climate change. Like this book's actually all about triangles. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) The progression of this book is very similar to the Andreasen affair in the sense that he has one or two main experiences in the quote unquote present of 1985. And then as he goes through the hypnosis process to figure out what the fuck is wrong with him, he realizes that he's always been being abducted by aliens ever since he was a little kid. Yeah, and I think even his like sister or mother knew something like they were like, don't worry about it. There was nothing, you know? Oh, was that them? I think so. I I don't know. This one turned into a jumble in my head. I mean, it's kind of a jumble. It's not very chronological ish. Like they kept jumping back and forth. Okay, there's something about trains and I still don't understand it. And he comes back to the train all the time. And I don't know what the train is. Oh, right. The tra- the train stuff is in the first half of the book, which I read a lot longer ago than the second half. <laughs> like, it doesn't come back in the second half at all. If I'm remembering correctly, all of the train stuff is like an experience he had. Like out of body, like looking at himself on the train? No, it's an experience that he had when he was younger that he remembers later after he starts doing the hypnosis stuff. Yeah. The perspective thing is because he he remembers being on the train with his dad, but then he also remembers being on the ship after being like abducted from the train, but also he remembers seeing the train like from above outside, which he obviously would not have seen if he was inside the train. Okay, I missed the part about being in a spaceship because I was like, what is he flying? Is he just hovering? Is he just astral projecting here? What's going on? (laughs) I didn't know spaceships have windows. Yeah, of course. You got to see out, man. Of course. (laughs) 
I mean, this book is going to be a mess to discuss. Sorry, guys. Warning. I mean, it already is. It's a, yeah, we're not. There's no there's no rhyme, rhyme and a reasoning here. No, look, I was way more into the movie than I was the book. The movie is played by a young Christopher Walken, came out in, what, 1989? 89, yeah. And he's just so kooky and weird, and it felt perfect. He sits down to, like, record himself talking a lot. That's, like, what he does because he's an author. And that, I don't know, it just felt really, like, Whitley to me, even though I don't know this guy. It just felt, like, on fucking point. This is this is him. <laughs> Christopher Walken is definitely being kooky, but he's being kooky as the character he's not being like this is before christopher walken turns into like a cartoon of himself i feel like back when he was still an actor yeah yeah he was acting and look i love him in everything but i do think there was a point in his career where 95 percent of the time he was just being christopher walken in a movie Mm -hmm. this is before that yeah it was it was old Okay, so Whitley Strieber's finding out that he's been abducted by aliens. He's trying to figure this out. He's, you know, he realizes that his son's been a part of it, that his wife needs to know that there's all this stuff. But he also feels like a pull to it. You know, he's kind of got some weird feelings for that woman. But then also he's like, um, uh, but they rape you. So also he does not call them aliens ever. He calls them visitors the whole time because we don't know what they are. And he actually thinks that maybe they are part of like our life cycle, like they're dead or unborn versions of us, which was interesting. Which is also funny because that comes up in the movie in literally like the last 30 seconds of the movie as like voiceover. He's like, ah, and maybe they're part of us. Maybe they're not aliens at all. (laughs) There are two separate incidents that kick this off. There's like one in October of 1985 and then in December of 1985 where they're at a cabin in like upstate New York and like everyone has a screen memory of like the house being on fire but really there were bright lights outside and aliens abducted them but uh such a weird thing to be confused about (laughs) well because they have like basically false memories implanted in their heads oh right 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 but one part that I wrote down that I thought was hilarious is that their son, Andy, he is upset about all of this. And the mom is like, don't worry, it was just a fireball. And I was like, just a fireball? What the fuck are you talking about? Just a fireball? If there was like a fireball anywhere near me, I would be (sighs) concerned. No big deal. Also, they say that at the end. When he was a kid, his own mother said that to him. Is that what you're talking about? Or does it happen twice? Um, I don't know, honestly. Because he was like playing with his sister and he was like, wow, there was something outside. And they're like, it's just a fireball. <gasps> maybe that is what I'm thinking of. <laughs> yeah, maybe this is like his mom talking to him. But either way, they were like, no big deal. No big deal. Just a fireball. Yeah, whatever. And then, yeah, like, yeah, he starts to remember stuff from his past, like the train thing. His wife at one point does a bunch of hypnosis sessions. And she basically says when she's under hypnosis, I don't remember this because it's my job not to remember it. Yes. My job is to forget it. She like wants to go, you know, help her kid, but she's not supposed to or like help him, but she's not supposed to. Right. Like her job is to not interact with the aliens. Her job is to sort of be an anchor to human reality for the two of them. She's very good at her job, I guess. I guess. (laughs) Oh, hey, did you write a summary, by the way? Uh, I didn't. 
Neither did I. It's fine. I love that we got this far without even thinking of it because <laughs> this book is wild. My summary is the same as the Andreasen affair. It's like Whitley Strieber thinks he's abducted by aliens and he's going to tell you about it. That's it. Yeah. Hypnosis. Yeah. Sorry, guys, if you were really waiting for our summaries. <laughs> I know they're so good. <laughs> um, What else happens? I mean, he does go on that journey to like figure out what's wrong with him. Kind of like in Dark Matter where he's like, do I have a brain tumor? Do I have this? Do I have this? Like, because he's just kind of confused, like something's going on and he doesn't know what it is. And then he uncovers that it's probably that he's been hanging out with a hot alien uh, goddess or something. Also, her name is Ishtar, or they call something Ishtar. He compares her to the ancient goddess Ishtar. But do you remember that the other alien was called Ishta? Yes, there was the other alien in Andreas' affair whose name was for sure Ishta. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. It is interesting. It reminds me of Stargate, where we find out that all the ancient Egyptian gods were actually aliens. Ooh, cool. I like that. I mean, why not? Yeah, it's good. It's a weird movie. James Spader, Kurt Russell, they go through a Stargate and they fight some Egyptian aliens. It's good. Hell yeah. I recommend it. Go see it. Stargate. Stargate. That's that's my plug for Stargate. <laughs> uh. What else? Look, he's super concerned about being a good hypnotic subject. That was really weird to me. He kept being like, was I good? Was I a good hypnotic subject? Did I do okay? How did I do under hypnosis? Yeah, that is a weird way to frame it. I suppose, though, at the same time, like, if I went through a whole experience with someone else that I didn't remember at all, I would be on the other side of it wondering how it went. Do you not remember it afterwards, though? I don't know. I thought it, like, downloads and now you know. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I think it depends, probably. Somebody tell us how hypnosis works. Somebody please tell us how hypnosis works. Help. (laughs) Um, yeah, so he gets into it like he's so out there with his thoughts and observations of his experience. It's way more like deep quotes than Betty Andreessen. Like she's she's not telling her story the same way like there. It's, you know, the interviewers and doctors like telling her story of their experience of her telling them. And here we're actually like hearing it from Whitley's describing, you know, obviously what the hypnotherapist told him, but also what he's experiencing going through this, how that feels to him, what kinds of things he dealt with in the off time where like Betty Andreessen was strictly all during hypnosis. Yes, because this is from his perspective and he's telling his own story, there's a lot more Yeah, stuff that happens outside the hypnosis sessions and just him sort of like musing about what is going on. Yeah, and he really needs to attach meaning to this, I think, because it's happening to him. I mean, maybe when we read Lifting of the Veil by Betty Andreas and next year, we'll see that she did the same thing. But from his perspective, it was like, what does this mean? Like, you know, he really felt like he was uncovering the truths of the world by everything being a triangle. Yeah, and I wish I remembered more about what his interpretation was. I mean, he doesn't put it in biblical terms the way that Betty Andreessen does, where she's like, oh, yeah, I gave them the Bible and they were the aliens were like, yeah, kind of. That's kind of what's going on, sort of. Yeah. He does pull a similar move where he kind of lines it up with a spiritual 
experience. I mean, yeah, it feels like being abducted by aliens would be a bit of a spiritual experience. <laughs> right. I guess I mean more explicit than that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Outside of any sort of like spiritual or religious framework, I do feel like being abducted by aliens would force you to re-examine your conception of the universe in a metaphysical way like i agree with that but he goes further than that i think like you brought up earlier maybe these aliens aren't aliens at all maybe these visitors are ourselves from another dimension or the afterlife or the future by the end he's leaning pretty hard into the spiritual aspect of what the aliens might be and that's where all the triangle symbolism stuff comes in to except that I stopped paying attention by that point. Well, it's basically not the circle of life. It's the triangle of life. That's all you gotta know. <laughs> he has a lot of these like weird flashbacks about death, seeing his like son dying or a friend dying or all these things of dying. So I think that's where he really got into this. Like maybe this is my dead friend after he's died speaking to me or like my dead son from the future or something, but they're feminine or the one is female. Yeah, there was only the one that was like explicitly feminine. I feel like he meets more than just that one. I do wish that we had more of that in the movie. We got the like weird classic alien looking tall skinny with a skin suit. And then we also got these like little short chubby blue men that were um, so funny. I loved those guys. The little like gremlins that looked yes. like they were like made out of stone and they wore yes. weird robes that looked like the yeah. Bene Gesserit from June. And then when they had their like dance party and the one starts doing the bass for the music, I like lost it. Yeah. Even the stereotypical aliens look different in that they are like taller and skinnier and like more noodly than like a traditional gray alien. And they're like flesh colored instead of gray or green. Yeah. And then also the weird praying mantis people too. Huh. I might have missed that. Yeah, that happened a bunch. Then maybe I didn't. I don't know. There's three types of aliens. There's three, and then also the one that basically looks like him, right? There's the little stone guys, there's the praying mantis guys, there's the flesh-colored grays with the big eyes that are all noodly, and then there's kind of him as himself, but it's an alien appearing to him as himself. Okay, I was I was doing the the like time loss thing during the movie also. I'm so sorry. I should have paid attention. And then I kind of was like, I give up and started like doing other things, like not pausing it when I got up to leave, like go to the bathroom or grab a snack. I mean, all the visuals for the movie are pretty great. I was into it, like his weird hat, the weird music. The music, oh my gosh, it just kicks off with like hard 80s intro music that was like so epic. Yeah, it's good. I should have just paid attention. I wasn't in the mood. I was trying to be good. <laughs> Look, I highly recommend watching the movie over reading the book for sure. It's weird, and I don't think you're going to like learn anything, but it's a lot of bizarro visuals. I have a question about the book versus the movie, since you seem to remember more about the book than I do. Did he almost shoot his wife in the book? No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. That was so dramatic. And also, they were like about to divorce in the movie, and I don't think that was ever the case in the book. She was never like, get it together. What are you doing? Like they had this really bizarre screaming fight in the bedroom one night in the movie. And I was like, this is not how you behave. Like, 
I got the impression that she was sick of his bullshit in the book. She was like, you are going crazy and you need to. Yeah, but it was like of his paranoia, not like, where is my Whitley? I need my Whitley back. Ah." (sighs) Right. Interestingly, he wrote the screenplay for the movie also. So (laughs) Did he really? Yeah, it's not like someone else wrote it and put a bunch of weird drama in that wasn't in the book for no reason. Like he wrote the movie too. So maybe it's filling in some gaps that we didn't get in the book. I mean, yeah, the scene where he almost shoots her because he thinks that <laughs> she's an alien for half a second. Cause he's Stupid. like stomping around the house with a shotgun. Like, why is that the first move? Because he's scared about aliens. He thinks they're going to probe his butt again. Oh, do they probe his butt? Oh yeah. That's explicit in the, hmm. I mean, okay. It's not explicit in that. It's not shown explicitly, but it is like in the text of the movie. They for sure have have this like garden hose looking thing that uh, that they put up his butt. Where the fuck was I? I don't think I watched this at all. I don't know. You missed all the good parts of the movie. I think I was just like scrolling. Yeah. I hadn't sat down in a while and just done nothing. And so I had to do like (laughs) too much. You had to do all of your nothing while you were watching the movie. (laughs) Yeah, just all the nothing at once. I get it. He did the whole thing at the end as well, where he talked about all the tests that he took to prove that he's sane and that there's nothing wrong with him. And he told a story about a perceptual scientist, which I just thought that was such a weird term. Is that even fucking real? (sighs) Anyways, a perceptual scientist who's very good at being able to perceive things perceived aliens when everybody else was seeing like a billboard that was a story about it it was super bananas it's just like a weird like how did you even what yes i don't remember this at all it's like towards the end when he's talking about other experiences that people have had and like basically he's just trying to show you that he's real that it's all real and this is why it's real because i took these tests this happened to a perceptual scientist and other people that are smart like me and everything uh that proves it is real basically sure i believe you I believe you that that's what the book said. It's like the same at the Andreasen affair when they did it at the end. Like, this is all the reasons why. These are all the reasons why this isn't bullshit. (laughs) I mean, you have to, like, have that at the end of a book like this. Yeah. Here's the question. Is it bullshit? What do you think? How do you feel about all of these alien books? I was thinking about this because I was going to ask you also. And... I think that I still don't have a definitive answer. Like, I I don't necessarily think that they're full of shit. They think that whatever happened to them is real. Like, it doesn't read like this fake ass story for press. Like, none of these really come across like that. Right. Like, it would be weird if we're all like alone, but also alone. But also this is crazy town, you know? Right. What do you think? Where are you at? I don't know. I mean, if I was going to make up an alien story, I would make it less boring than this. That's really fair, right? And like we said, like they're very similar. Although I will say Whitley had read about Betty's accounts before he wrote this book. So he could have been influenced to accentuate some of his writings. Right. But Betty seems like out in the like her own little land of things. I don't know. I guess because we don't really hear from her to know how she feels about it all. But I don't think I don't think it's I don't know. We can't just be alone in the world. It doesn't feel completely made up in the sense that I don't think that anyone is overtly lying about this. 
right? Yeah. Like, I think they are reporting back some sort of experience that they think that they had or something. But what that means as far as like what the actual literal truth is, I have no idea. I tried to look up if the Andreasen affair was real and I couldn't find anything except for literally just about the book. And then I ran out of time to find out if anyone has debunked either of these. So I don't have that answer either. But like, you know, what if it is the sleep paralysis? Right. Have you ever had one of those sleep paralysis things? No, I know people who have like I've slept next to people who have them. That's never been a thing for me. But I had like a weird dream, I guess, one morning where like, My partner at the time had woken up and like I kind of woke up and like turned over. So like remember seeing my room. I was still sleeping, I thought. And then I like turned over again and there was a guy standing at the bottom of my bed in like a fucking flannel shirt staring at me, like had a hat on and everything. It was like in my room. It was the same room that I just saw when I turned over. And then I woke up, I guess. And it all like looked the exact same. And it was just so weird and jarring. And I was telling someone about that. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's like a really common sleep paralysis thing. And then I was so fucking creeped out that multiple people have seen a man in plaid at the end of their beds. And the hat guy like looking into it is so weird that we all experience the same version of sleep paralysis. So what if this is just like one of the versions that no one's really like credited as a sleep paralysis? It could be. Pretty intense, though. Yeah. Do you imagine? Your sleep paralysis is getting abducted by aliens, not just like a guy at the foot of your bed staring at you, but like <laughs> getting probed. Yeah. I mean, they talk a lot in this book about screen memories, which are basically like the implanted memories to cover up your alien abduction memories, hmm. which is why a lot of people report seeing an owl is because owls have like weird alien looking type faces like they have a similar shaped face and those big black eyes. Mm-hmm. And so that's why an owl is like a common screen memory. But also, what if alien abductions are the screen memory for something else? What if something else is happening? What else would it be? I don't know. God? Getting probed in the butt by humans. I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Could you imagine? It's like some weird government scientific like experiment. <laughs> I don't know. It's worse. Oh, God. It's just hard because I guess we already went through all the interesting things about aliens. I don't think there's anything very different here. There's nothing to spell. There's nothing to spell. This book annoyed me, ultimately. <laughs> I was like, why isn't this more interesting? Yeah, it really like started off like we're going to get some weird, weird shit from how he was setting you up. And then it just stayed there, just kind of set you up the whole time for nothing. Are we done with it? I mean, what else is there to say? Yeah, I guess that's like kind of it on the book. Yeah. What do you rate it, Corey? I don't know. Like a three, it's more boring than Andreasen Affair. It's probably more of a classic in the sense that like, this is probably the book that everyone knows. And so you might want to read it just to know what other people are talking about. But it's very boring. Yeah, I think I was landing at a three also, I guess. Yeah, threes, threes all around. I guess if you want um, someone to read you a book in a tone of voice that could put you to sleep with that slow of a pace, it's really going to just set you off. Like maybe this is somebody's good like nighttime story and maybe you'll have some cool dreams. Maybe. But I felt like I could fall asleep to this. <laughs> I think it's time for bad reads. Yeah, let's get to the good stuff. This is the most boring episode ever. <laughs> <laughs>
It doesn't help that we're recording in the afternoon. I think afternoons are bad. I think it's bad. I'm so hot. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm like falling asleep. I'm having my afternoon crash like as we're talking. And I'm like angry that I'm forcing myself to stay awake and talk about this boring ass book. I'm so sorry. I guess we could have rescheduled. I mean, I was like, let's just power through. Like, we scheduled it. I don't want to be the person that's like, oh, baby need a nap instead of podcast. <laughs> Look, the afternoon crash is real. It's a thing. It's so awful. It really is. This is the, actually the important thing to talk about. Afternoon crash is real. Amen. Take care of your brain. Don't make yourself do things where you have to use your brain in the afternoon. Yeah, I try to get all eight hours of my work done in the four in the morning. Yeah. Hashtag ADHD winning. Yeah, that's the smart way to do it. Okay, (laughs) ready, set, go. Bad reads. It's time. Yes. Tyler, one star. I would have rated it three stars, but three is a triad, and triads mean aliens or something. (laughs) That was really good. That was really good. I agreed. <laughs> Tri- triads mean aliens or something was really my only takeaway from that part of the book. I'm sure there was more to it, but... It's literally exactly where you were with that. Exactly. Uh, Nick, one star. Whitley Schreiber voted most likely in his class to be probed by aliens. <laughs> it's just bullies. <laughs> <laughs> just Yeah, just people being dicks. Dave, one star. This book freaked me out when I was a kid. Now I know it's all a bunch of BS. Oh, yeah? How'd you find that out, Dave? I know. Tell me, Dave. I want to know. Share your sources. What about Emads? Did you find him? No, I looked. I tried. Is there a lot more reviews on here? There's a bunch. There were a lot on this book. Like, this is like Mm. the famous alien bullshit book. And so there were a lot of reviews. Evan, one star. This book scared the pants off of me when I was 10. (laughs) It's a common theme in these reviews, and I don't understand it. Like, how are you freaked out by this boring fucking book? Well, when you're 10 years old, if you're like, was this an elementary school reading book? Like, what? Seems a little PG-13 if you ask me. Honestly, I'm guessing that this is like, you know, kids who just like found it on the shelf because their parents read it. I mean, if I saw this book on the shelf when I was a kid, the cover looks cool. It has a cool fucking alien on it. I would be curious, but I don't know that there's enough that happens. I mean, I guess just the fact that it is presented as a true story. And when you're 10, you're too stupid to have any sort of like discernment about that yeah i guess that in itself might be scary to pick up a book written by an adult and published by adults for adults to read that purports to be a true story about being abducted by aliens that might be scary as a kid and then goes on to tell you about being abducted by aliens and death and maybe it's all us dead or unborn so like whatever that means yeah i mean i could see where a 10 year old would be a little freaked out Rick's review, not a true story. Pilga's review, ludicrous. Brian's review, one star. This is by far one of the worst books I've ever read. 336 pages of pure, unmitigated garbage. If aliens actually came to Earth, they would probably choose to abduct someone interesting and not the author of The Wolfen. (laughs) Fair. I mean, he's got an interesting brain. That's why they wanted him. He's got a weird brain. I did like the scene in the movie where he was writing with the wolf mask on his head. I did not see that one either. (laughs) Oh my gosh, what did you see of this movie? My phone. All right. 
I wonder how many people have these hidden repressed abduction memories and don't even know it. Haven't even gone to a hypnotist. I don't know. Too many. Maybe it's me. Maybe that's why I don't remember things. It's probably everyone. (laughs) This is Kristoff. One star. I give this book one star because I really did find it to be terrible. However, I am thankful for having read it due to its cultural significance. I've always found the UFO community to be more interesting than the thought of UFOs themselves. I do not mean to say that I am laughing at people who feel they have had unexplained experiences, but rather the ever-expanding mythology that's agreed upon by the participants. Every phase of the bizarre has to continue expanding or people will lose interest. So over time, all new claims build on the mythology of what is known from previous claims in the community. What makes this book a one star for me is the hypnotic sessions. They were a chore to read and the author assigns <laughs> meaning and significance to events that seem rather mundane. And then when under hypnosis became evidence of the visitor experience. The more I study the author, the more convinced I am that he will say anything for a dollar, including mm-hmm. co-authoring a book with his dead wife from beyond the grave. What? <laughs> I mean, that seems like the one we should read. Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. So much of the testimony relies on the work of Bud Hopkins, a known ufologist who wrote Missing Time years before communion. Almost all of the subjects the man works with have the same story. But in my opinion, if you're seeking out this specific person to perform your session, you already have some awareness of the road you're about to travel. Bud Hopkins' name is mentioned constantly. He really is the epicenter of this entire UFO scene, from what I can tell, and I don't find him any more credible than Whitley Strieber. If I sold books on Bigfoot, I'd be better off trying to convince people of Bigfoot's reality, and I think that's what's going on here. I want to believe, and I will go as far as admitting that visitation from other worlds is possible, but if the aliens are coming here to do what's described throughout this book, then they are wasting all of our time. Where this book shines is when the author provides hypotheses as to what and why these beings are. But he goes on tangents and tries to qualify his ideas with anecdotal claims from various witnesses, and it's extremely repetitive. Oof, yep. It is actually so repetitive. He said the (laughs) same thing so many times where I was like, did he not already say this? He would literally like say a sentence and then say it again, like slightly different right after where I'm like, I I think I already saw this or heard this in my like, what? (laughs) I agree. Right. Sorry. No, it's fine. I get it. Okay, back into it. With that being said, If you're just going to make this stuff up, at least make it entertaining. That's what I said. (laughs) Instead, we get an hour-long chapter about the historical significance of triangles in mythology. The main issue with these fun-to-think-about-but-hard-to-believe phenomena is we like to use the lack of evidence as a form of evidence. I don't remember putting my bowl of cereal in the refrigerator after I made it instead of eating it. Must be aliens. But it's this very thing that has given these modern mythological stories such staying power. Because above all, it's fun to ask... What if? The end. That was great. Also, he's right. Maybe I've been abducted by aliens. I always put things in places that I can't find them again. And I'm the one that did that. I should know where they are. I don't know. There's all sorts of research into memory and why we remember things. And we forget so much stuff that we think we should remember. <laughs> it's insane. If I'm literally not paying attention to what I'm doing, I'm, I'm probably just not going to remember doing it. Yeah. To tune in. One of my psych professors, like her specialty is memory and false memory. And I read all sorts of stuff about false memories last semester. And our brains are wild. Honestly. 
there's all sorts of stuff that we should remember that we don't, that we think we remember, that we're wrong about. You can implant false memories into someone by telling them a story over and over and kind of attaching emotional significance to it. There's all sorts of wild memory stuff that our brains do. So it's hard to assign too much significance to some of this stuff. It's aliens. It's aliens. <laughs> That's the only thing I know for sure is that it's aliens. Please invite me to your experience or conference. I believe all of your experiences. And I would never, ever, 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 ever insinuate that they're not real. <laughs> I think they're real. I want to meet you. I want to come to your conference. I want to ask you questions about aliens. Oh, it's so fucking wild. My personal goal is to interview Queska himself. Queska. <laughs> yes. Have him answer for his entire species. I mean, he is the big one. Yeah, he's the best one. Mm -hmm. Hashtag Queska for life. Queska is my homeboy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's basically it. So on Audible, this book got a 4.4 out of 5. That's so high. And on Goodreads, it got a 3.51. That is kind of high. Why is... It's too boring. Like, I wouldn't go out of my way to give this book a bad rating. I would either be like, oh, cool, and give it a good rating, or I would just ignore it. It's not bad enough to be like, I'm going to go out of my way and rate this book, and that rating is bad. Yeah, you're too bored to even bother. Yeah. (laughs) Too bored to bother. (laughs) Corey, how's your cool brain doing? Oh, my God. It's the afternoon. The afternoon is bad. This is a bad afternoon. I'm so sorry. Okay, we will never do it in the afternoon ever again. (laughs) Don't worry, guys. We won't do this again. It's bad for both of us. We won't do this again. (laughs) (laughs) The The problem is that the part of my brain that thinks that I'm a normal person who can do normal things the normal way is like, yeah, sure. Two in the afternoon. Works great. Love to do it. Yep. I'm not busy. Let's record it too. Chill time. Chill time. I don't have anything planned for two o'clock. And there's a tiny voice in the back of my head that's like, usually you're kind of tired in the afternoon. By the afternoon, you're kind of over it. Are you going to want to do this? And that voice knows what it's talking about. That voice is correct. That voice says, don't do this in the afternoon. You should just do it in the morning like you always do. 9.30 a.m., the magic podcast hour. That voice always knows. Got to train ourselves to listen. This is the time of day where I normally walk past my bed and look at it and go, don't lay down. Don't you sit. Don't do it. And then I'll like look at the couch and be like, don't, don't do it. You won't get back up. You, you got to keep going. Yeah. And sometimes I'll just do it and be like, okay, I'll set an alarm for 15 minutes. And then I'll be like, 15 more, please. And then I'll get so tired that I'm like, I should just nap. I also did not sleep very well last night for whatever reason. So I'm sure that's making this worse. All the reasons. All the reasons. The brain be braining. Ugh too much or not enough yeah both probably yeah (laughs) that's the real thing that's going on is uh i tricked myself into thinking that i would be a normal person for this podcast and i'm just not yeah as we were talking i was like this book is annoying and i don't think it actually is (laughs) just getting angry at it (laughs) yeah just getting angry just getting more and more angry yeah i feel that yeah how's your cool brain Yeah, I mean, just that stuff. Um, I guess I've had a hyperfixation. I haven't really like clocked them in a while, but I did realize this when I bought my like third box of plain LaCroix so that I could mix apple cider vinegar and yuzu juice with it. Oh, yeah. That sounds really good. It actually is. I got the yuzu juice 
concentrate or whatever at H Mart. I love yuzu. It's like my favorite flavor, I think. It just anything is yuzu. I want it to taste like yuzu. If it doesn't, I am mad. There's a yuzu hot sauce at Trader Joe's. It is good. I think it's gross. Oh, I like it. Okay. I like to mix it with yuzu-y things, though, and like use it as a marinade. Like it depends. Like what are you trying to use it on, you know? Yuzu it <laughs> what on. Are you- God damn it. I was, <laughs> was going to say it. Yeah, I don't know. I think I was just trying to use it like regular hot sauce. I was just trying to decide whether or not I like yuzu. Like I know it's like kind of citrusy, but other than that, I can't really think of what it tastes like. So maybe I just don't like it. It's almost like a spiced citrus fruit. It's not like spicy, but it's like got like some spice notes, like slightly more tropical. But the hot sauce is funky. Like, I don't know, but I'm a person who doesn't, I can't do just like any hot sauce on anything. Right. Like, yeah, some people are like one and done. This goes everywhere. And I'm like, "Mm, no, specifically, I want Frank's Red Hot with pizza. I don't want Tapatio with pizza. I definitely don't want Tabasco with pizza. I do want Tabasco with breakfast. Yeah. No, I think that that's those. Those all sound right to me. And the yuzu has got to be like, you know, some like Asian style, like good with sesame oils and as a marinade and salmon, like mixed with some yuzu ponzu or something. All right. Fair enough. But yeah, um, I've been putting that yuzu juice in club soda with a little apple cider vinegar. And I think the vinegar is really what does it for me because I was like, do I even need to add that? And then I didn't. And then I was like, oh, I need to add that. I've definitely done an apple cider vinegar with a LaCroix, but like flavored. I forget what flavor. Maybe lemon. I don't know. Um, So yeah, I just downed one of those. I actually also think that it's giving me like a little bit of a nice like boost after I drink that. Maybe it's the vinegar. Interesting. Yeah. Isn't that? It is. Mostly I'm like, whatever, whatever's going to give me a boost in the afternoon. I need it right now. Straight shot of vinegar. Yeah. (laughs) Just, Just rub it in my eyeballs. Gross. Well, Alien Abduction August continues with our final book. We are reading Earthlings by Sayaka Murata. It's a 240 pages and seven hours and six minute audiobook. What a beautiful length of an audiobook. Yay. We haven't had a short one in a while. I'm very excited. Yeah, same. What is this? Like the story of a little girl who thinks she's an alien or something? It's... um. <sighs> I don't remember. That sounds right. But also... It was on a list that we came across, and we're like, that sounds fun and alien. It's a horror, magical realism. Okay. So I guess back on our magical realism bullshit. Back on our magical realism bullshit. Perfect. Or is alien stuff all magical realism? Is aliens magical realism? That's the (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt. I think Earthlings is going to be a really fun book. Ooh, I think we're going to do a giveaway for it. So you could read it for free. Oh, right. Shit. That's true. We have five copies. We'll post something on Instagram. We're at ADHD Book Club Pod. You can also shop our very cool Alien Abduction August merch at ADHDBookClubPod.gumroad.com, which is also on our Instagram and in the show notes. Thank you to The Last Skeptic for our music. I've been Ashley. And I've been Corey. This was a podcast. Ooh.